0: Founderspace, mentors, and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. I am here today with Greg Ballard, He is the CEO and founder of 5C Consulting, and he is a people expert, how you manage people. So Greg, it is wonderful to have you on the show. Can you tell us a little about your background?
1: Absolutely. And Steve, thank you for having me here on your show. So my background prior to the last six and a half years of of this firm, of leading this firm, um, I was in ministry. And that was really the kind of the, the forefront and the foundation of my career. And I worked in large multi site and if you will, air quotes, um, mega church, uh, not how we would refer to ourselves, but it gives a context to your listeners of the size of the organization that I was in. And my primary role was helping people identify who they are and pour gasoline and those sparks and then to help build connections within our community. Um, and so bring a lot of value from that perspective, as well as this idea of cross-cultural communication. We have a lot of different mixes of generations and cultures inside our workspace. And, and some of my education background is in, is in cross-cultural communication.
0: What made you leave the ministry and go into consulting for businesses?
1: A couple of things. One, um, I, first of all, I was in my dream role, doing a dream job. Um, I was actually pastoring one of the congregations at our multi-site church. And loving every, every minute of it. I had a team around me, had a team of volunteers, um, some full-time staff, some, some, not, some full-time volunteers as well. And it was just starting a family. And essentially, there was uh, just internally, um, our, our path was not aligned with our senior leadership's path. And so, you know, we came to a very, you know, difficult decision that it was no longer the right organization to be part of. And from there, I went on, I stayed in that role for four months after announcing that I was moving on and I began candidating. And again, I was looking for ministry opportunities um, all over the country. And I was having some great high-level conversations, kind of getting into the final round, um, It's between me and one other person and and kind of getting there multiple times. And it culminated, I was brought out to Ohio to talk with a church that was really on leading edge and I really like their philosophy. And on the way back, I was just like, you know what? I don't want this. I don't want this. I I I don't want to be because what I what I was feeling was, if they give me this job, they're going to give me a salary. They're going I'm going to move my family to a new state, and I don't know a single person relationally. I met their interim associate pastor. She was lovely. And I think I would have done, we could have done some really good things together, but her and her sister, the only two people I met.
0: So basically you didn't want to move.
1: <laughs> so I No, 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 no. It wasn't that. I didn't want to become a hired shepherd. Ah. And so we did move. We moved from mm. upstate New York mm-hmm. to DC. Mm. And I had, and because I had already done some coaching, I had, I had been trained in coaching. I had learned some coaching. I was using coaching in my role and I was really loving that modality of development, Um, I dove in and I created a coaching company. And then uh, a year and a half, two years ago, I've pivoted the coaching into consulting so I can include uh, basically all facets of development, um, not just coaching.
0: Now, tell us, what are some of the things you learned while being a minister that have helped you as a coach and a consultant actually to teach entrepreneurs, what to do.
1: Every person is unique and everybody has something that they're essentially how to put it. um, You know, we all have a purpose. We all have a set of skill sets. We all have a unique design. So each person has a very unique composite of skills, abilities, talents, and interests. And, As you can unpack and if they are not aware of them, okay, um, helping them become aware of who they are and how they're made or however you want to frame it is key to helping them become successful and ultimately key to helping you become successful.
0: So you could see the good parts and the, the, the nascent talents that these people have and help bring those out, foster them.
1: Absolutely. We use a few different assessments and we had a couple, we had some programming and I actually incorporated some coaching in that process to help them connect with who they were, what they, what their interests were, and as well as what their capacity was so they could plug in and get involved.
0: Yeah. I have one rule and I've learned this the hard way is that Some people are born managers, like they are naturally like the type of people who get up and be a leader, get other people going. They're really interested. They're really engaged. And then other people, literally, they aren't. They're more introverted. They like to do specific tasks. They don't want people like interrupting them. And, you know, all the stuff that a a manager has to do is a burden to them. And the sad thing is that, especially when you're an entrepreneur, a lot of times you're thrust into a role that you, it, it isn't natural for you.
1: Yeah, and and I'll draw this out. I think um, I forgot her name, the author of uh, Candid. Um, No, no, what's her name? Maybe come back to me. Um, She talks about being candid. She talks about rock stars, superstars, rock stars and superstars. And this concept that, you know, some people are wired to manage others, and some people are not. And the people that are not The way our organizations are built is you get higher levels of compensation as you take on more management roles. And so if somebody wants to increase their income, they have to become a manager, even if that's not what they're good at and they can't be great at it. And so if you're a founder, if you're starting an organization, I would start with building some infrastructure and some compensation programs that allow people to be ultimate rock stars in their role with the skills they have, and and allow them to grow in that, and allow people managers to do the same. Don't you know? Try to avoid those compensation packages that really incentivize everybody to become managers.
0: That's really good advice to entrepreneurs. Basically, reward people for what they're really good at, and find a career path for them where they can do equally well in what they're great at, and it might not be a management role at all. Um, exactly. The other thing is how do you identify great managers? Like what are the things you look for when in somebody that you say, oh my God, th- that's a perfect person to be a
1: manager? So one, I'm gonna say that it, it's not always the same thing, but internally their guide, they know who they are. So there's a sense of comfort and confidence in who they are, uh, as well as an ability to connect with another individual. Like they can connect a human to human and they're able to communicate. Uh, they may have an innate ability of seeing talent and being able to set people up to succeed. And now, management is very different than leadership. And so, I wanna make sure in this conversation, we're, we're parsing those two. And we really want managers to lead well, and we want leaders to manage well. Um, but in order to be effective, we have to parse the two skill sets. And We Approach Management is really the one-to-one relationship you have with your direct reports and putting them in a position where they're going to ultimately be successful, setting them up in the right environment, the right resources, the right conditions, where their natural talents and abilities can shine. And
0: leadership is one to many. Like that's you're projecting your vision, you're setting the goals for the yes. company, you're, you're speaking to the outside world about what your company is doing, all that. Very interesting. Now, what are some of the biggest mistakes uh, managers early, you know, people who are entrepreneurs and trying to be a good manager make?
1: Treating everybody equally and the same.
0: So elaborate on that.
1: Yeah, so uh, creating, you know, a policy where everybody has to be, you know, do exactly the same thing, Um, uh, you know, making everybody work from home or everybody work from the office. You know, in this midst of the great resignation that we're talking about, it's just making uniform policies in a sense of I want to be fair, right? Rather than saying, okay, well, look at my team. Who's on my team? Is this a mother, a father? Do they have kids at home? Are there kids in college? Uh, Do they have elderly parents that they take care of? You know, is there um, any other accommodations that they uniquely need? I and see that
0: mistake so much where people like lay down this policy for everybody and thinking that it makes it fair, but then it really, uh, it doesn't work because for a lot of you, maybe
1: you might have one person that's happy and everybody else is upset.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or maybe half are happy and half aren't. It doesn't yeah. matter. But yeah. if, you, if you, they think that they have to do the same thing for everybody and you don't, like I remember when Marissa Mayer took over Yahoo, and her tenure there wasn't too good. It was bumpy, and she said, "I don't want anybody working from home. Everybody has to be in the office now." It was just like these people. Mm-hmm. She didn't consult with anybody. She didn't like figure out what was right for some people and, and not other people. She just made that decision. And yeah, I so this,
1: go ahead. Oh, sorry. I want to add on top of this. So um, we use a an assessment tool called Everything Disc, and some of your listeners may be familiar with this. Um, different personality types, this is nothing to do with ability, different personality types want to be treated differently. And so you have some people that want recognition in a private, meaningful way. And you have some people that if you do the recognition privately, it's like an affront, like an insult. They want that recognition publicly. And, you know, you want to treat people in the way that they want to be treated.
0: Exactly, not
1: uniformly. And
0: some people thrive in an office environment. They love going into the office. They need that socialization. They want to be around other people. And then there are others who are more introverted maybe like me who are perfectly fine working from home like we're we're very happy we could we don't mind being at the office but some of some people may mind but you know being at home we're actually more productive because we don't like interruptions happening all the time we want to control our environment more so really tailoring it to your people great advice now let me ask you another question a lot of entrepreneurs i know they're totally passionate about their business and they're working night and day to get their company off the ground but uh, their employees aren't doing it. They don't care as much. It's just a job to them. How do they, what can they do to get their employees to take it up a notch?
1: Yeah, so this is this is really where, you know, the rubber meets the road. And what we talk about is mastering the human business conversation. I mentioned that before. Uh, and really what you, what I like to help our clients do is to work through a guided discussion, a conversation especially as a founder, you're bringing people in early. You need people that have shrunk some of the Kool-Aid and have some of the passion that you have. And you've gotta be able to convey that in a meaningful way. And so to me, a lot of it is, it's getting really curious about who they are, about where they've come from, about the things that interest them, and about what it is they wanna see is in the world, right? And then with that information, Framing your vision, framing your mission in that context, speaking to them using illustrations and metaphors and examples that they can relate to personally and framing it in a way like this is what you want. And hey, as long as you're achieving this goal, then the next the second order is as you're going after what you want to go after um, and, and, and joining us on this mission. By the way, you're going to learn these skills. You're going to get this experience. You're going, to, you're going to be introduced to these kinds of people. And all of those things are actually going to help you achieve what you want while you're serving here. I'm asking you to give your all. And when the time comes, I'm going to support you in what you want to do. And, and there's a lot in there. But that's the human business relationship that we all really need to master.
0: I think that's great advice. The other question I have is, you know, sometimes it's hard to get people to own it. Like they, uh, they, they will relate to you, they'll connect with you, they'll be really nice, they'll be passionate, but they won't really own it as if it's theirs. Are there any things you can do as a manager to get people to own their job in a way that you, if you, if you stepped away for a month, you know they would just be going like crazy. They wouldn't be slacking off.
1: Yeah, so some people are not ready for it, to be flat out honest. Some people are not ready for ownership. However, you can test this, and and you can just you kind of dis, dis, distinguish who is and who isn't by giving over the how. And so what we we talk about is we teach managers don't manage the process, manage the outcome. And so if you think there's somebody that isn't taking ownership, and you want to take a little a little risk, find a project that if it doesn't go well, it's not going to hurt anything too badly, and say hey. I want you to, I, I need this project done. Here's the outcome. Here's the deadline. Here's the resources. I don't care how you do it, as long as you meet this criteria. And as a founder, as a leader, this is gonna get you, wanna spend some time thinking about how you wanna define that, because there's really an art in defining these projects that gives somebody else the freedom to do it their own way. And as you develop that muscle and that art, you're going to be able to empower a lot of people and some people are going to be frustrated some people will say I, I tell me what you want me to do like i need the steps and you're going to know really early this is not somebody that can own a project own, own own that the the outcome um they really need that manual and others are going to be like they're going to lean in and be like really you don't care how how i do this i can bring my own creative element and that's when you're going to give birth to an owner that's great advice
0: let me ask you another question. I am working with an entrepreneur right now. She's in an early stage startup. She was going crazy uh, because she didn't know what to do. She, it was like driving her a little crazy that one of her team members is very negative. And that team member tends mm-hmm. to bring down the other team members. Mm-hmm. What, and, and she was asking me, what should I do in this case?
1: There's a couple things. Um... Obviously, toxicity is something you've got to be really, really sensitive to uh, because prolonged toxicity will bring everybody down. We know that. You bring a, um, a toxic person into a healthy environment, um, you don't eliminate the toxicity, it spreads. And so you have to be very carefully, I don't know what the implications or the, um, the factors that are driving all of this or how, how, how serious it is. Um, but one thing you can do is you can begin to maybe um, work in some, you know, creating some awareness, number one, for this individual, we have a process, a a process we call unsolicited feedback. And we teach our managers, we teach people to provide unsolicited feedback inside an environment to boost productivity, to boost performance. And so there may be a real candid conversation that needs to happen about this. And that can be private one-to-one and give examples and give examples of the impact that it's causing. So really give this individual nowhere really room to hide and and to really see that this is something that they're doing. They may be unconsciously doing it and they may just need to have you know a direct conversation so they can see the issue and then a little bit of help working out of it. So some direct coaching may be helpful or permission to I'll let this person know, hey, that's a negative comment. Okay, Could you reframe that? And what I would say, this is a guided development process. The other option is give a warning and then you know, celebrate a se- se- separation because they are not aligning to the culture and the values that you're trying to create.
0: Yeah, with those personality, would be the two. with personality traits like that, I find those are some of the hardest things to change. Like people could change their work habits. They could change their work quality. But, you know, when you're asking them to change something fundamental, like they have a negative outlook on life, they may change for a period of time, but then they end up reverting back into their natural negative state. And that's why I told her, if, if you really think it's a personality trait, you can give them some, uh, you could tell this person to, uh, you know, give them some advice. And then if they don't change, you just have to let them go because they're not a good fit. Yeah. Sp- speaking or of free. that, what creates
1: a great company culture? Oh, this is a deep question, Steve. Um, culture is there. And, you know, we, we like to talk that c- culture is created. And, and, and I can argue kind of both sides of the coin. Uh, the way I look at it is there's a lot of times people want to sit down with a sheet of paper, a blank sheet of paper and say, okay, and sketch out. Here's the culture that we want, right? And I'm going to call this aspirational culture design. However, that's really not how culture ultimately will work. Um, What you have is an inherent culture. And to your founders and your entrepreneurs, you are this source of that culture. Your decisions, your attitudes, your tone, your language are all going to drive culture. And you can... Do some work internally, privately with a coach or consultant so that you can fine tune that and be intentional, but it must, it's going to come authentically from you. And the the more you honor your authentic self and how you operate and make decisions, the more that culture is going to come through and your organization is going to grow around who you are. And it's going to be a lot stickier. So because me, you're me, going to match your words, you're going to match what you say you are with who you are.
0: Really interesting. So if you want to work on your culture, what I'm hearing is work on yourself first, work on yes. you, how, how you see the world, how you will treat people, how you, uh, you know, approach business, all of these things, your values, all of those go into forming your culture.
1: Yeah, if you are a um, kind of, I would say really hard sale, get out there, grind and grind and grind, beat the pavement, you know, push, 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 push. If that's who you are, be that person, Uh, codify that, put language around that, put systems around it and continually authentically preach that message and that culture will grow around you.
0: Right, and honestly, Uh, you know, Travis Kalanick, the original CEO of Uber, that was him, right? He was this hard driving, crazy guy who was like, go, 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 go. And that's the culture they had. Like it all originated from him. And there were problems with that down the line, but initially he got that company going. Like he made Uber what it is. And uh, so it's good. And there are many different types of cultures and you can be successful in many different ways. And at different stages in a company, it may need different cultures.
1: Yes. And you can, you can constantly refine that. Uh, And, 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 but culture and strategy, two different things. Your culture will be your strategy in, one, in, in many cases. Um, if your strategy doesn't match your culture, your strategy is not going to work. And so culture is a very big and broad thing. What I wanted to kind of clarify here is, you know, you can try to design it on paper and try to be intentional about it. But if it isn't connected to who you are, as a founder, co-founder, or the per- so that one of those people in the C-suite, if that's not anchored internally inside of you, then there's dissonance. So what you're saying you want and who you actually are is incongruent, and that is where culture goes awry.
0: Yeah, I've seen when, this. And I've seen these yeah. people with these corporate statements and stuff, and they just sound phony. Like <laughs> it's not who they are. It's not how they really think. They're just putting down words, so it means nothing. Like yeah. it. it hey.
1: Your employees see that. They can, they can smell that inauthenticity a mile away. And so that's why it's really key on knowing who you are, knowing your values, living them authentically, and building your culture on that.
0: Yeah, uh, there's no other way. And you're right. When the, when the organization reflects somebody's culture, like Elon Musk is this go, go, go guy, think big, think bigger, do more. <laughs> You know, and that's the culture of his companies. You know, always pushing the limits. Other people, you know, are more methodical and analytical. There's many different types, but I think it does happen at the top, at the CEO level, and that CEO will end up hiring the other managers. And they'll end up determining the culture by who they pick, and people usually pick people who match their culture. Greg, this has been wonderful having you on our show. I would like you to give our audience uh, a way to contact you, to reach out to you.
1: Absolutely. So you can find uh, us through my website, uh, 5C, F-I-V-E, letter C, and then period, and then the word consulting. So 5C.consulting is our website. You can reach out to me directly, uh, Greg, G-R-E-G, at 5C.consulting, and would love to connect with any of your listeners.
0: I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.